Well, good morning, guys. It is great to see you guys this morning. I will tell you all that this is typically one of my uh, most favorite Sundays of uh, the year as we talk about dating with you guys this morning. Uh, I'll tell you, it is no coincidence that we are doing this on Sunday, February 17th, and here's the reason why. I always had a personal belief, maybe even a conviction, that one should never begin a dating relationship between Thanksgiving and Valentine's, and here's why. No fledgling relationship is ready for that kind of pressure known as Christmas or Valentine's because what do you do if you just started in a relationship, right? So, so I always believe that a dating talk needs to come after Valentine's because if you're going to act on this, don't start before Valentine's, all right? So that's why we're here February 17th, all right? Personal conviction, just me, I realize, all right? Um, but I was thinking as we think about dating, I was thinking this week of, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the Dude Perfect guys, uh, and particularly if you've seen the latest Johnny Manziel edition of their videos, um, I think a lot of you guys have seen that, but there's a shot they have of Johnny Manziel throwing a football off of the very top deck of the zone at Kyle Field, right, and into a basketball goal, right? It is absolutely phenomenal, right? And if any of you guys have seen it, I've heard people talking about it that apparently it did not take that many repetitions or attempts for him to actually to sink that shot, all right? I've heard people from anywhere from five to about eight or ten shots, and he finally made it that time. And so it's amazing. I was thinking, though, as you watch the show, I'll tell you, I've watched that video clip this uh, spring probably more times than I watched the Kid President clip, all right? I've just been <laughs> infatuated with it, all right? Uh, and I was thinking, though, of the fact, though, that what you feel as you watch that Dude Perfect uh, clip of these just amazing shots is absolutely so different than if you had to watch every single outtake when he just missed horribly, right? If you had to watch the hundreds of shots where he swung and he missed, or he threw and he missed by a barn, right? It's not nearly as interesting, right? If you saw all those shots where it was an epic failure, it would be a whole different story. You'd have a whole different feel as you walked out of, those, out of that clip. And I was thinking to myself, I think many of us, as we think of romance, we think of it almost in a dude-perfect kind of style, all right? As if we're going to meet someone across a crowded room, our eyes are going to lock, and then all of a sudden we're going to know that evening, this is the one, right? And God's just going to write it in the clouds, and we're going to have all kinds of certainty from the very outset, and nothing is going to go wrong, right? That's, that's just not what happens, all right? I, I will tell you guys, I talked about dating way more than I ever did it in college, right? I swung and missed more times than you can imagine in college, right? My track record was not very good, all right? And for some of you guys who maybe even know our dating story, our dating story was anything but fairy tale or made for Hollywood, all right? It was yeah. at times brutal, <laughs> at times ugly, incredibly uncomfortable at times, all right? And, and definitely not something that I would ever wish upon any one of you guys, all right? So um, I'll tell you guys, some of y'all know our story a little bit, but we were incredible uh, best friends. We were in the same circle of friends that ran together mm-hmm. through college. Uh, halfway through junior year, at some point, a light bulb went off for me, and I thought, oh my, this is like one of my best friends. She's beautiful, all right? She's godly. Why couldn't this become something more, all right? And so I decided to kind of throw that out to her, and that first conversation didn't really go very well, all right? Uh, in fact, the next seven conversations over 14 months wouldn't go well either, all right? So I, I actually, in a 14-month period, I got shot down seven times. But y'all, that makes me feel like t- such a jerk when really he's absolutely incredible. Well. I just like, sometimes as girls, you don't always know exactly what you're feeling. And I thought it had to be this perfect story for us to actually start dating. But so I just wanted to preface. And, and he didn't stalk me or anything like that. Yeah, that, let's, very great. Let's get a few things. I, I didn't stalk. I wasn't just trying to break her will. All right. That wasn't no. the goal. All right. And I was wishy-washy. Which we, is we, not had good. Some, we had some communication challenges. Yes. And so we kept mm-hmm. coming back at the conversation and I kept getting an answer that wasn't yes. All right. Basically is what happened. All right. About 14 months later, she would come back and say, hey, I am interested in doing something and, and trying to try this dating thing out. And so we jumped into it. January of our senior year, spring semester, right? About two and a half months later, we would be on a spring break 
quick trip to the Grand Canyon with all of our best friends. And on the way back from that trip, we decided to break up. Thankfully, we had two cars, all right? And so we rode separately with each other and our friends all the way back from the Grand Canyon. I cannot express to you how absolutely awkward and uncomfortable it was. Not something we recommend this morning. Again, don't do that, all right? So uh, we, would, we would piece it back together. We would kind of get things back on track at the end of senior year, and we would be, in a sense, off and running from that point, kind of moving forward, all right? But that was kind of our story. It was definitely not dude-perfect version, all right? It wasn't uh, made for uh, Hollywood. It wasn't fairy tale. It wasn't textbook, all right? And so that was kind of our story. And as we kind of walk through dating, I'll tell you guys uh, from the outset, any of y'all who know us or have spent some time with us know that we are very pro-dating, all right? Mm-hmm. Very pro-dating. All right. So uh, when I was in college, uh, there was a book that was written called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I thought it was ridiculous. All right. So uh, that's kind of my personal bent. All right. We think dating is a very positive thing. All right. Unless you want to be biblical and go with arranged marriages, you can do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want your mom and dad picking out your spouse, right? Uh, so you're going to have to do this thing called dating. And what we want to do this morning is talk a little bit about dating. And the reason why we are so pro-dating is that we really believe this, that dating is an incredible context for God to shape your faith, stretch your faith, mm-hmm. and transform your character. I, I think that in the context of dating, God can do much within you, within shaping and forming a heart that would run after him with uh, seeing some of your own personal hang-ups and issues and selfishness that gets Mm -hmm. tweaked and gets challenged. I think there's a lot as you walk through the uncertainty of dating, not knowing where it's going, not knowing what God has, that you're drawn to him to walk with him day in and day out as you pray about something consistently as you move forward. And so for us, as we think about and as we talk about dating, we want to frame it for you guys in that kind of manner this morning. That dating is a great place for your faith to be stretched, for you to be grown, and for you to develop as a person. And so that's why we are pro-dating, all right? Now, it can go awry. And when it goes awry, I think there's often a few misconceptions that are often going on in dating. And so Marcy's going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because dating really can be an opportunity to allow the Lord to do great things. But as Trey said, there's some misconceptions. One of them, sometimes, especially as girls we have, um, is that the guy is going to somehow rescue us from singleness. Psalm 146, 3 says, Do not trust in princes or in human beings who cannot deliver. Another translation says, Who cannot save. And I love this because I think sometimes, especially since the world starts pushing this message out at us, even from a young age, like our little girl Caroline's three, and already like the Disney princesses thing is just all that you see in stores. And it's like, okay, so why do we think that there's only one prince, one perfect guy out there, and he's going to come on his night and deliver us from singleness? I mean, why does singleness even need to be something we're delivered from? I mean, being single in college can be a great time for the Lord to do great things through us. And I don't think that this is a misconception that there has to be this perfect guy out there. And you know what, girls? We're kind of setting guys up for, you know, failure if we think that it has to be, like, so great and so over the top, even those first few dates. And so sometimes it can be tough on the guy, you know, to have these unrealistic expectations. And... As girls, we also want to know that dating doesn't complete us. That is not what is going to save us, per se. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've already been saved. You've been redeemed. You don't need someone to be that Savior for you. And if your identity is fully in the Lord, then that means you're going to trust Him and trust Him to provide someone great. And if you are a believer and you're the daughter of a king, that means you are worthy. You are worthy of so much. You don't want to settle for just some guy that isn't totally up to the Lord's standards. In fact, 
One of my friends walked out of a junior high conference one time with a t-shirt that says, I'm going to date a Boaz, not a bozo. (laughs) And I loved it because it's so true. Like if your daughters are the king, that means that you are already a princess and that you need to have those high standards for a really great guy that's going to walk with the Lord. And in your heart, not only is there already one true prince, you know, one out there, which is Jesus Christ, but also he is your one true joy. And Psalms 28, seven says the Lord strengthens and protects me. I trust in him with all my heart. I am rescued and my heart is full of joy. I will sing to him in gratitude. And I love that this verse just makes the point that the Lord is our heart's desire. He is our joy, not whether we're in a relationship status or not on Facebook or whether that guy has asked us out or not, because there's going to be times where you may not experience tons of happiness. Like let's say that really cute guy across the room comes over and asks your roommate out instead of you that you've had a crush on for a year. Well, that's not going to be the moment you're the most happiest, but you can still have joy. And I want to make that distinction because if the Lord is our identity, he's who we place our faith in. He's also going to be who completes us, who our true joy really is. And I'll tell you, guys like girls that are secure in who they are, not looking to be complete by a guy, but already fully confident in who they are in the Lord. And so single or not, this doesn't define you. Your relationship with the Lord and him being your joy, that is going to be what defines you. I think dating can be something where your faith really grows and stretched, but I think when you have some of these misconceptions, it's really easy for us to get distracted and detoured on it. And so what I want to do for you guys, particularly to you guys, I want to kind of say next, I want to give you guys a little sense of uh, when we pursue dating out of faith and when we walk dating in by faith, what does it look like? What, what do we do? What are we called to as gentlemen? All right. Um, and so let me say this. Uh, I'll tell you guys, the more and more I, I'm around uh, you students, the more and more I watch relationships, I'll tell you guys, I see a lot of people who avoid dating by fear, and I see a lot of people who jump into dating due to fear. The idea that I, I have to be in a relationship, so I'm going to jump into this because I'm scared to, to avoid it. And then I see a lot of people who, uh, particularly a lot of guys, who, who, who kind of stay on the bench because it's safe, and they're a victim of comfort, as Kev Moe would say, all right? Uh, and they're unwilling to jump in, really, and risk things. And so, really, I, I think you can avoid dating due to lack of faith. And you can jump into dating by a lack of faith. And what I want to do is really kind of come at this idea and say, what does it look like if you jump into dating and walk by faith? What does faith do for you gentlemen as you date? I'm going to give you guys two basic ideas, two basic principles. And the first is this, that as a guy, faith causes you to step out. All right, faith causes you to step out. As the guy, it is your job to initiate. You are the one to pull the trigger. You are the one to light the fuse. And you may be holding fireworks that go off and are amazing, way beyond what you expected. Or it may be a stick of dynamite and you blow your hands off, all right? (laughs) That's your job, gentlemen, all right? And so it is your job to light the fuse. It is your job to initiate. And therefore, there is risk in that, amen, right? I got my head cut off several times in college, right? I will tell you, it grows back. It's not that bad, all right? So uh, you can bounce back, all right? You can still be a whole person. Person, all right, even if you get shot down, all right. Uh, and so, gentlemen, let me just say, I think it is your job again to be the one who steps out, who initiates, who takes the action, all right. I had a good friend who asked out a girl in college, and she literally put her hands on her head and said, Are you kidding? All right. <laughs> I mean, she's awful, all right. I, I asked a girl out one time in college, and she said, I, I can't do anything this weekend, and I kind of was like, How about next weekend? She said, Well, it's going to be a busy month, all right. Uh, I mean, let me just say, ladies, please be clear with us, but, but find a way to deliver it sweetly, right? I mean, we don't want ambiguity, but we don't want viciousness, all right? So, um, gentlemen, though, it is your job to initiate. It is your job to step out there, and with that will come a risk, all right? And I think one of the ways that we gentlemen mitigate that risk, 
Uh, it's sometimes that we just stay on the sidelines and we don't do anything. We just avoid dating altogether, right? But for some of us who, who are willing to begin to kind of venture in, put our toes kind of in the water, one of the things that some of us guys do, and you know who you are, it's a lot of us, all right, is we may begin to initiate some action, but we don't actually communicate at all what we're doing. We don't lay out our intentions, all right? And so we land in this ambiguous friend zone and we live in it forever and a day, right? And everyone else who's watching knows that we're dating, but we're the only ones not calling it dating, right? Mm-hmm. And so let me challenge you guys that it is your job really to be the one to not just initiate the action, all right, but to also initiate the communication. You need to lay out your your intentions as you pursue a girl. And so let me challenge you uh, to communicate clearly. Say to her, hey, I would like to take you out on a date, all right? Not, hey, I'd love to go hang out. Not, hey, I'd love to go grab some coffee. But be clear as to what you're trying to do because when you do that, it does amp the risk up, but it creates all kinds of clarity for the girl, all right? The girls like it. For you just to be clear. And, and let me just say, you guys may not realize this, all right? But the moment that you venture into something quasi-dating or real dating, all right? The moment she gets home from hanging out with you, something occurs the moment she gets home, all right? And the girls are laughing because they know, but the high council convenes, all right? That's true. Amen, guys. Yeah. Pay attention here, all right? This is huge for you, all right? The ladies convene, and they, they kind of surround the girl, and then a, a series of almost interrogation-like questions ensue, all right? Mm-hmm. What'd y'all do? What'd he wear? What'd he say? All right. And it's less about her and it's all about you gentlemen. All right. And now here's the thing. All right. I'm going to give you guys an analogy. You guys are like political campaign managers who need to control the flow of information. All right. You guys need to get out ahead of things and you need to be able to spin and provide information and present exactly what's going on. Because if you do not communicate, the high council will fill in the gaps just for you, all right? And you may not like how they fill in the speculation, all right? So, gentlemen, you need to not just step out there, but you need to communicate so that she knows clearly what's going on, and she can say to the high council, I'm sorry, ladies, but y'all are off, because here's what he said, all right? So, gentlemen, when you guys just jump out there, hanging out, coffees, meals, movies, maybe paying, maybe not paying, but it's a lot of one-on-one stuff, the girl's getting pretty darn confused as to what's going on, and you guys need to step out there and communicate. Mm -hmm. Not just light the fuse and initiate the action, but also lay out your intentions and communicate. And I want to challenge you guys, find a balance in that. I think a lot of us kind of hang back, and we don't say anything for a long time, some of us guys, all right? And we land in this quasi-dating phase, all right, that, that frankly mitigates the risk so that we're not as exposed and we're not so vulnerable, right? But then some of us have heard this talk maybe or know that it's important to communicate. And so some of us jump out on date one, date two, date three, date four with a state of the yeah, union as to change. where we stand, right? You don't need to do that either, right, gentlemen, all right? That's going to freak her out, all right? And she's going to be running for the hills, all right? So there's a balance there, gentlemen, of, of learning to communicate, and it's great for you, all right? I will tell you, learning and being forced to communicate in dating is great preparation for marriage, all right? You've got to learn how to communicate. You've got to learn how to express what you're thinking, what you're feeling, because she has no idea unless you speak, all right? And many girls are going to try to hold back their assumptions and let you lead, let you communicate what's going on. And so it's imperative, really, gentlemen, that you guys would communicate, that you guys would initiate. And for you guys, if you will walk by faith in dating, I think those are two things that will really be clear as to how you're pursuing this out of faith and not out of fear, if you will initiate and if you will communicate. So true. And faith, this should also characterize how girls date as well. It's just going to look different because girls play a different role in dating. Now, one thing that I think is important is that faith, truly values the unseen. Um, you know, First Peter 3, 3-4 through 4 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. 
well, we really want to spend more time beautifying the inside rather than the outside. And I know that you guys have probably heard this before, but truly, like, focus on what's the last part of that verse. You are of great worth in God's sight. That means that God already sees you as worthy, and you have so much worth. And the world is, like, screaming messages at us that the outside is what matters the most. And, you know, that that beauty on the outside, while it's wonderful, it's not what is what really you want to have your guy be the most attracted to because it's going to fade versus there's an unfading quality of a strong walk with the Lord and a depth and a good, you know, character. And so we want to spend more time with the Lord than we would do, you know, getting ready. Now, if you want to marry your hero, like you want to really marry someone who you can spiritually look up to. I'm so thankful I did. Like I really look up to Trey so much spiritually and I'm really wanting all of y'all to be able to do that too. But if that's the case... You want to make sure that you're in a good place walking with the Lord. That that's the kind of girl that that type of guy is even going to want to be able to date. So all that to say, it's important to really value what's unseen. And you're precious and you're of great worth in God's sight. And because of that, and because we know that we're already beautiful because of who we are in the Lord, that means that that, that really matters. And it's okay to want to look your best. Like I was going over this this morning while I was putting on my makeup thinking, oh, am I a hypocrite? But no, like you can totally like look your best. I feel like the Lord gave us um, our bodies to be able to be a temple for him and we want to be able to look our best, but we just want to make sure that our emphasis is even more on our good, great walks with the Lord. Okay, secondly, faith waits. I think Trey put it so well that the guys need to step out there and initiate, but as the girl, we also need to make sure that we wait on him. We're not Facebook creeping. We're not asking around. We're not trying to get the messages out that we like someone to make it a lot easier for someone to ask us out. If we're really faithful and trust the Lord fully, we can also wait on his timing. Now, I know that it's hard when you get texts to not overanalyze them or think about what the emoticons mean or maybe what the Facebook messages could imply. But truly, like, to not let your feelings overextend reality is going to help you guys so much in the short term and the long term. And if you fully trust in the Lord, then you're not going to have to fully trust in what someone is saying about someone's feelings or what you're thinking or maybe trusting in yourself to, to put yourself out there to make sure that he knows that you're interested. If you fully trust the Lord, you don't have to trust those other things. And so I want us to really, you know, cling on to that. There was a um, girl that I knew that went to um, counseling seven years into marriage, and they were just having some troubles, and the guy just wasn't stepping up and initiating and leading, and they were in counseling, and finally she just looked over at him, and she's like, honey, why don't you ever just step up and lead us? And he looked at her, and he's like, because you never let me. And when I heard that, it just made me realize, sure enough, she was the one that initiated their relationship in the beginning. She's the one that led them all throughout their whole relationship. Well, so you want to start establishing good patterns and having faith, allowing the guy to pursue you, saying yes, but really making sure that that your faith is in the Lord, not like yourself making that first call. Because there really is something significant over who makes that first phone call. Um, So know that you're not just some random girl at A&M. You are precious in God's sight. And so let that guy make that phone call. Let him ask you out. Make sure that you're not trying to you know, do attention getting through all different ways, but make them work for it. Don't make it easy on them. Make sure that you know that they um, know that you're worth it. You're worth pursuing. So be secure in who you are in Christ in that way. You know, 
I think there are a lot of ways that uh, we're challenged to, to wait and to walk by faith. I think part of what Marcy's saying is thinking of just uh, verbally that, hey, guys, you guys got to initiate. The girls are going to wait on y'all. But also I think, uh, I think it's really easy for relationships and dating uh, relationships to, to, to run out ahead of really what is true in reality. And so I think for many of us, it's not just the ladies, I know for the guys as well, that we can emotionally and mentally get out ahead of actually where the relationship is. And so we've been, begun to build something up in our minds that doesn't truly exist, uh, i.e. Monteteo, right? You know, that we can, we can kind of begin to build something up that's truly not real, all right? Um, sorry. All right. Um, but really what he's saying is so true. We don't want to be just preoccupied. And girls, we're the worst at letting our minds just go, go, and start spinning and start being obsessed with, like, thinking about a guy or the future of a relationship or what those future monograms are going to look like. I mean, you've all done it. Like, we've all been obsessed. Take a, taking pictures of the guy and the girl and putting them online to make a picture of what their kids will be like. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that, all right? right? We don't want that. No, 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 It's no. kind of freaky to begin with, all right? So. Right, Exactly. And you'll have heard that um, verse in Proverbs 4.23, probably, of guard your hearts, for it is the wellspring of life. For everything else flows from your heart. And I know that that can be kind of an overused phrase, guard your heart. You know, you might even see it on the video shoot Christians say. You know, it's just like, guard your heart, guard your heart. But really, if you think about it, like think about your heart as a house, like a beautiful dream house that you um, want to use well for the glory of the Lord. Well, if you're so obsessed or preoccupied with thinking about this relationship or this guy, or even the fact that you're single and you want to be dating, if you're spinning and your thoughts are so consumed, you're not using the rooms in that house for the glory of the Lord. When really, you could be using those times and those thoughts for pursuing great friendships or pouring out to others or using... um, you know, all the different opportunities that the Lord's given you. So you don't want to waste time by not captivating your thoughts and making them obedient to the Lord. And if you're single, it's okay, but don't dwell on that. Dwell on things that could really, you know, help you more than um, just what you don't have. And all this sounds great, but it's like, okay, really, how do you really guard your heart? How do you really focus on not being discontent, but focus on what really matters. Well, you embrace time with friends. You find out others to pour into. You get in a Bible study. You spend time in the Word. You get people that surround you that are going to help you stay on track, not necessarily be distracted um, by crushes or whatever. And if you're struggling with certain thoughts or certain lies that you're believing about yourself, like have verses that counteract that. Have that on your iPhone. Make sure that you have that in front of you so that you have truth replacing those lies. And make sure that, you know, your identity is just fully placed in the Lord. Because then you're not going to leave room for all those thoughts that, that aren't going to be fully for Him. You know, think about like girls when you're like packing a suitcase for the weekend and you can only take a small bag. You want to pack those essentials, like which you really need. Not like the third pair of pumps or the extra belt or those extra scarves. Like you got to have the essentials first and then the other. So think about taking the essential things of really walking with the Lord, spending time with Him, and then the other things will, will come and the other thoughts will follow those. I think it's really easy for us mentally and emotionally to kind of get out ahead of where the relationship exists. And I think it's not just the girls, but it's the guys as well, that we can mm-hmm. begin to kind of project things in our mind uh, as to what we think this relationship is before it's really gotten there at times. And I think another arena that we do that is not just mental, it's not just emotional, but it's also physical. That it's really easy, I think, for relationships to get out ahead of where they really appropriately should be. 
In fact, I think in the physical arena that it's often the case that relationships begin to race out there, what ends up happening is that the very foundation of a relationship and its communication and its development and its maturity really gets unsettled because that physical thing has gotten running out way faster than the relationship is ready for. And so I want to kind of hit a little bit the arena of the physical and say that it's not just mentally and emotionally that I think we need to practice some restraint, but also physically, all right? I think it's clear for all of us, we'd all say that uh, prior to marriage, that sexual intercourse is the black line, all right? I just said sexual intercourse. You guys can relax, all right? Um, it has happened in church, all right? So uh, we'd all say, hey, that is the black line. But the question is, how far can we get up to that? How far is appropriate prior to marriage, all right? The great giant question that a lot of us ask, right? And so how do you answer that? I want to give you guys a few principles that I think really uh, apply to the physical arena within dating and even if eventually into marriage that, that are really significant for you to grasp. The first is this, that in terms of the way that you guys are designed physically speaking, in terms of the way that you are wired, your entire body is a tripwire system that's meant to move downhill, all right, towards sex, all right? So in the midst of dating, the more and more you guys experience physically, the more and more you're picking up momentum and gravity that is pushing you downhill like on a roller coaster, all right? And I'll tell you, what feels natural is that you keep going down that roller coaster, right? There's nothing natural, physically speaking, about hitting the brake and stopping, all right? You are designed to move downhill towards sex, all right? And so let me just say that in the context of dating, if you're not physically frustrated, something is wrong, <laughs> If you're not physically going, hey, this isn't enough, or hey, I, I, I wish we could push further past that, then, then frankly, you are way, way, way beyond where you need to be at the time, right? And frankly, the physical thing has probably begun running way, way, way beyond where you guys are actually ready for uh, emotionally and even mentally, right? There's a reason why even in marriage that sex is a complete exchange of whole persons. It's not just the glutting of a physical appetite. That's not what sex is. Sex is an exchange of whole persons. And so the reason why sex is not appropriate in dating is because whole persons are not being exchanged in terms of the kind of commitment and full lifelong commitment and life exchange that sex requires, all right? So if you are moving to that extent, if you're in that kind of place, then you're going to find a relationship dating-wise that really is going to be on the brink and having some serious issues, all right? Because you're not ready for that kind of thing. In fact, you weren't designed for that just yet until you get into marriage and into that kind of commitment. But the reality is that dating and the way that you're wired physically is going to move you downhill. And so if you're not physically frustrated at some level, then something's off, all right? You need to, at some level, be practicing restraint and and holding yourselves back. And so uh, what I want to do is give you guys a few basic ideas, a few basic practical pieces that I think are really helpful as you think about dating and the physical arena within dating, all right? The first is this. I think the moment you guys finally get into a relationship where it's clear that there's mutual affection uh, and that this is kind of an exclusive thing, that you really are pushing towards something that's significant, you guys need to have a conversation about boundaries, all right? You need to have a conversation about what you feel physically comfortable with, and I'm not going to give you necessarily a formula for what is appropriate and what is godly, all right? But I do think you guys early on need to have a conversation, the guy and the girl saying, hey, here is what I feel a piece about prior to marriage. Here are the boundaries that I think our dating relationship needs to live within way before we get even further down the road in this thing. And so that you guys are clear with one another as to what is expected and what each party feels comfortable with. Second thing I'd say is in terms of a little more practicality, I'd say in terms of what these boundaries look like, let me give you guys a suggestion, and that's the suggestion we've often called the three nothings, all right? Uh, Nothing number one, nothing ever needs to come off in terms of article of clothing, okay? I'll give you socks and shoes, all right? But that's it, all right? Uh, You guys don't need to be taking off articles of clothing. The moment clothing starts coming off, you are in serious problems really fast, all right? Second thing I'd say is this, uh, hands need to go nowhere below the neck and above the knees, all right? 
The moment hands start going in that region, trouble is imminent, and you're going to be in a lot of trouble, and this thing is about to go downhill really fast, all right? So uh, uh, no articles of clothes coming off, uh, no hands below the neck and above the knees, and then thirdly and lastly, I'd say, and not to be legalistic, this is more of a guideline and a suggestion, but nothing lying down, all right? The moment you guys start lying down with one another, I will tell you, you get tired, you get sleepy, all restraint and all wisdom goes out the window, all right? And then things just start happening, all right? So uh, keep yourselves from that kind of situation. And I think those three nothings are helpful. That's not a formula straight from Proverbs, all right? It's just wisdom I want to throw to you guys, all right? Uh, And on that note, let me just say too, as you guys walk with boundaries, as you guys walk in the physical arena, the other thing that I think that's really helpful is that you guys would maintain some transparency to this element of your dating relationship. Relationship, right? That may mean literally. That may mean that literally that some of you guys say, hey, uh, we're going to never be within a room by ourselves with a closed door. That may be a, a place that some of you guys land just to say, hey, I know myself. I know the moment I have some secrecy and some hiddenness, I know what may happen, all right? And so for some of you guys, you may say, wisdom speaking, hey, we're going to keep a door open. All right, I'm not going to say that's something you need to do legalistically, but I would say that's something you need to do at least figuratively, all right? Whether you have a literal door open to the room that you guys are in, Whether you do that literally or not, you need to do that figuratively speaking. And here's what I mean. The physical arena of your dating relationship needs to not be a private affair just for y'all two. You need to have people in your life who can ask you questions and who can look into that arena of your dating relationship and say, hey, how is that going? Hey, what are your boundaries and are you holding yourselves accountable to that? Or have you moved beyond those boundaries? And if so, what are you going to do about it, right? The moment that an area of our lives becomes locked under key and hidden is the moment that we often find ourselves in trouble when we think no one's watching and no one knows, right? And so let me challenge you uh, as you guys are dating that for some of y'all, y'all may want to keep a door literally open. And whether you keep it literally open or not, you need to keep it figuratively open. You need to have people in your lives who can ask you questions and who can peer in and ask what's going on, all right? We had a policy even when I was dating in our house where our roommates could just barge in even if the door was closed, all right? And that changed things, right? When you knew someone could walk in at any moment, all right? But it was a level of accountability and a level of transparency that I wanted with my roommates to say, hey, this is what I need. This is what is helpful. This is what's wise. And so I'd say whether it's literal or, or, or figurative, you need to have people in your lives who are watching, not necessarily literally, all right, but who are, who are aware, all right, who are aware of what is going on and who can challenge you, who can ask you questions and who can probe and, and really intervene even at times. Uh, thirdly, let me just say, lastly, gentlemen, I, I think for you guys in this physical arena, uh, I, I want to challenge you. It is your responsibility not just to initiate and to communicate, but it is your responsibility to protect. It is your job uh, to protect the physical purity of that relationship, and it is your responsibility, all right? And so uh, you guys need to firmly have your foot on the brake, <laughs> knowing what those boundaries are and not allowing this thing to pick up steam to move beyond what you guys have said. Hey, here's what we feel comfortable with. But there are times where we guys will take our foot off the brake, all right? And we may hit the accelerator, and ladies, we do need your help, all right? And so it is not expressly the guy's responsibility. It is a shared thing. But I particularly want to challenge the guys because I think it is your role as protector that in a relationship that may eventually even move to marriage, you are still the protector in that relationship. And you model that even in the physical arena as you protect, as you honor her. And one of the things I particularly want to say to you guys that I think is counterintuitive at times is that physical restraint actually communicates more respect and honor than physical expression. Physical restraint actually communicates more respect and honor for the other person than physical expression. And everything says to us the opposite of that, right? But you do not know where this relationship is heading. You do not know if this is moving to marriage. And so physical restraint honors that person, protects them for whatever the Lord may have for them in the future, right? 
And so let me plead with you as you consider that. And here's the reality of things. Every single one of us, most of us, uh, whether uh, mentally or at least practically, have made mistakes in this arena, right? A lot of us have been places that really we're ashamed of. A lot of us have been in situations, have been with people, and have had a past that we are not proud of. And that for many of us, it feels like it checkers our past, it checkers and is, is a dark cloud as we look at romance, as we look at relationships, and even marriage one day. And one of the things I want to say to you guys is the beauty of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is that God loves us so immensely that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what our past looks like, he loves us immensely and his grace covers over all of our sins, past, present, and future. And so it does not matter the kind of guilt that you feel. The reality and the beauty of what Jesus has done is that he has forgiven us and he's paid himself. His, His own body was our sacrifice so that we could be forgiven and we could have not just eternal life in the future, but we can have the wiping away of guilt in the present. And that our guilt does not have to define us. It does not have to hang over us because Jesus paid the penalty for that sin so that its guilt does not have to hang over us. And the beauty of what Jesus does even more than that is not just remove the guilt, but begins to work in us to restore us, to reshape us, so that our present and our future relationships are not determined and defined by our past relationships. I know some of you guys, maybe before you were walking with Jesus Christ, engaged in things in high school that you're so ashamed of and you're so scared if you were to enter back into a new relationship. Let me say, hey, if you're willing to walk with Jesus Christ, if you're willing to walk by faith, then he can transform this arena of your life like he's transformed every other arena of your life. Mm -hmm. Your past does not determine your future. Your past does not even determine your present. Trust that Jesus has forgiven and can restore and reshape a future for you, even in dating, maybe one that you've never yet even seen. And that, again, is why for us, as we think about dating, we think it's a great context for what God can do, how he can shape you, how he can transform you, and how he can uh, really move you and stretch your faith and stretch your trust in him as you walk in a very uncertain kind of process. And so what we want to do is we've got about 10, 15 minutes left, and what we want to do is kind of transition, really. And and let me just say, as we kind of transition, you guys gave us some awesome questions that are really fun for us to to tackle. But here's why we do this at least once uh, every two years. I think this topic is absolutely essential for you guys. I know you're talking about it. I know you're living in it. I know it's coursing through your veins and much of what you think about, all right? But I also think it's, it's not just relevant to you guys, but it's critical. How you date and who you date is going to determine who you marry and what your marriage looks like. You guys are building patterns and making decisions now that will have an impact for the rest of your life. And the beauty, even I was talking with a friend just this weekend, the beauty of college and ministry and getting to walk with you guys is you are in the prevention stage. Mm-hmm. You are making decisions now that can avoid catastrophes later, right? And it begins in dating. It begins with who you date and how you date. And whether you allow this area of your life to be honoring to the Lord and under his lordship, or whether you say, hey, this is something I'm going to deal with on my own. Because what is just a smaller region of your life as it moves to marriage and eventually kids and family becomes huger and huger and huger and it has a dominant impact on your life. If you choose to date improperly now, you land on a trajectory where you're going to have major challenges later on. And so you're making and making choices now and laying down a foundation now that is absolutely vital for you as you move forward, which is why we take a whole morning and just say, hey, let's talk about this topic, right? All right, let me jump into y'all's questions. Y'all had some awesome questions this morning. We're going to launch off with the first one. Uh, and uh, someone asked, I think this is a great one. What was the hardest lesson the Lord taught you while you were still single in preparing to be a spouse? Uh, you know, I think a lot of us, the whole talk really is about dating, how you started it, once you're in it, what does it look like? 
But a lot of you guys are single in this, at this point in time, right? A lot of you guys are thinking about dating or wanting to move toward dating. And, and one of the things we want to say is that there is a great fruitfulness, not just in what God can do in dating, but what God can do also in singleness, right? That in that phase and in that period of time, God can grow and transform and be at work to prepare you for a relationship he may have in the future. One of the things I'd say, one of the things I particularly would say was the hardest thing when I was walking through singleness and particularly watching roommates. I had a roommate, uh, even when I was outside of college, who was 26, 27, who owned the house I was living in, all right? Uh, And he watched three or four phases of roommates come through college, graduate, get married, and move on, and he stayed single, all right? As new waves of single college guys came through, got married, and left him, all right? And he just kept getting older and staying in the same house, all right? One of the things, though, I loved about this guy, he's an incredible great friend of mine still, is this. He was able to rejoice in those who were walking and dating and moving to marriage. And not just that he could rejoice, but that he took it as an opportunity to continue to learn and ask questions of not just those who were dating, but even those who were married, those who were in stages that he was hoping to get to. And so he did not waste his single phase, even though it went way longer than he imagined or would have written out in his own story. But the ability to rejoice and the ability to maintain a stance as a learner because you are humble and you are joyful even in that stage, for me, was a huge thing. It was something I saw in a great friend that I think is a great lesson that I think a lot of us can learn is saying, hey, we can still walk in joy. <laughs> Dating is not our joy. And that even in that stage, we can still really begin to pick up some great clues and great wisdom as we watch others walk through it mm-hmm. and even move toward marriage and can really learn a ton in that phase. So true. Okay. This one made me go, aw. Okay, so it says, so if being a nice guy is so good, why does it feel like a disease? (laughs) And so I want to answer it with this next question that says, is it okay to go on a date with someone if you still are not sure if you like them or not? So maybe that kind of helps address the whole, like, nice guy thing. So he's really nice, and you really, you know, kind of are thinking, but you're just not for sure. Should the girl say yes? And I say yes. If there's no like big red flags, but they're really nice and they're godly, then go for it because you're not going to know if you click on all cylinders until you say yes. So, you know, we're pro dating, pro guys stepping out and asking the girl. And so girls, I do want to say this is a great question because I think that learn from my mistakes of, you know, maybe you're not always 100% sure that first time, but say yes and see where it goes because you never know what lessons of faith the Lord is going to teach you. So give the guy a chance. Give that nice guy a chance so it's not a disease. (laughs) All right, here's another great question. Someone asked, how do you approach a girl that's a friend about dating without messing up the friendship, right? This question is kind of a passion for me, all right? So um, (laughs) as you can tell, all right? So uh, let me just say, I think there's this great desire to maybe be able to try dating out but not, not jeopardize the friendship, all right? Let me just say, there's no way possible to do that, all right? There's no way to try to try dating out, and if it works or doesn't work, or obviously if it doesn't work, there's no way to get back to the same kind of friendship that you guys had. So, right. You're so not going to be best friends 10 years from now when y'all are each married to somebody else. You know? And that's the thing. I, I think you're, you're, you're worried about jeopardizing something that's going to die, all right? Uh, I'm serious, all right? Here's the deal. <laughs> and not necessarily. I mean, we have some friends that we that have a friend group, but they were... The guy friends are like friends with Trey. Like maybe, it's not like I keep up with Maybe you should answer friends. this. I'm a little too passionate. All right. So here's my thing. Like I, in marriage, I don't have friendships with girls. All right. I, mean, I have great working relationships. I have friendships that are girls with, with Marcy, but I don't have like individual friendships with girls. All right. And so the moment that we got started dating, the moment we moved toward marriage, the moment we stepped into marriage, every relationship for me with the opposite sex forever changed. Right. 
every friendship with the opposite sex, um, that sounds a little too harsh, forever changed in such a way that the very thing I was worried to jeopardize was going to be jeopardized eventually anyways, right? And so the, the, the fear of losing the friendship is a fear that's going to happen and it's going to come about at some point in the future anyways. And so I'd say, hey, friendship is a great spot to really cease for someone for who they are because they're not, they have not been putting on their best show. They've been being themselves and you really do see who they are, all right? And so I'd say, hey, friendships are great places to try to figure out, hey, maybe you do know somebody, maybe you are interested in them and yet expect some awkwardness, all right? So we obviously had 14 months of um, not figuring this out, right? Uh, and then when we got into it and we finally said, hey, we're both on the same page, let's both try this, we almost didn't survive the first two weeks, all right? Because it was so awkward, all right? Uh, we've been such great friends. It wasn't natural. We were trying to figure, feel this out and it, it just wasn't normal. And so uh, we almost didn't make it out of that. We obviously did. I won the war. And so here we are, right? So, um, but I'd say, yeah, so I'd say the whole fear of losing a friendship, I'd say, hey, it's legit. But don't emphasize it in such a way that it really limits your choices or limits what you might try because really that thing may die anyways, all right? So there you go. There you go. This next question's great. It says, how do you make the Lord number one in your relationship? So let's say you are dating. You're in a good relationship. But sometimes you can make that person your all in all. And so I would just encourage you to still stay plugged into a Bible study you know, be disciple, be discipling someone else. Make sure you're spending great, sweet times with the Lord in the morning and prayer and reading their word. And honestly, like the Lord wants to be your number one. So if you keep walking with him, he will help you, you know, keep that as your number one thing. Like think of it, you know, it's like the triangle. Like the closer each the, the guy and the girl are to the Lord, the closer that triangle is going to be. So you want the guy to walk with the Lord. You want to walk with the Lord. You want to make sure that you don't just start depending on each other that you're not, you know, staying in close community with him. I think one, one other thing I'd add to that is I, I think if you can continue to maintain, maintain an open hand with a relationship before the Lord, it, it changes everything in terms of your walk with the Lord. Yeah. If you can kind of continue to come before the Lord and say, hey, Lord, what is it you have for this relationship? What is it you're doing? Where is it you're leading us? I'll tell you guys, I was praying that prayer even up through engagement. <laughs> I said to the Lord, hey, I'm absolutely convinced this is who I want to marry. I have no hesitations, no concerns. I am all on board. And frankly, I'm at a point where you're going to have to hit, a, hit me with a freight train to stop me because I'm moving toward this thing called marriage. And so even engagement, though, I was putting this thing before the Lord saying, hey, I, I want to know if this is for sure what you have. And if it isn't, intervene, step in. I am all in. And so I think one of the things you can do as you walk in dating is continue to, continue to pray about the relationship, continue to put the relationship before the Lord saying, Lord, what is it you have? I know what I'm feeling. I know what I'm thinking, maybe, right? Uh, but what is it that you have? And if you can continue to maintain that posture, that openness, I think it really changes the dynamics that, hey, all of a sudden this thing doesn't begin to move over the priority you have with your own walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone asked a great question, and this is, this is always a hard one, all right? But uh, someone asked, how do you know when you're ready to get engaged, all right? Um, Woo, all right. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think one of the things I'd say is, uh, and I've said this in previous sermons too, but uh, I think if you've had some good conflicts and some good bumps and you survived them, those are good things, right? Because what those do is they, they begin to show you that you're not just in this for a feeling and an infatuation, right? But you've begun to see the other person's weaknesses, issues, right? Uh, and you've begun to have some rubs where you realize, hey, I'm not just in this for the idea of what it is uh, or, or uh, because it's effortless, but I'm in this because I'm making a choice, and I know who she or he is, good and bad. In fact, we at times disagree, we at times even rub, but, but I, 
I want to be with this person more than anything, and I can't imagine not being with them, even though they may drive you crazy at times, right? Um, you know, there's those moments where, hey, you rub, you, you disagree, you don't see eye to eye, but you go, you know what, I, I, I want to be in this uh, despite those differences, because I think the Lord is doing something. And so I think for me, one, one of the things is, hey, is there some element of conflict? Is there some element of clarity that, hey, you see one another accurately, the good and the bad, right? That you don't have an infatuated view of each other, and you're not infatuated with just marriage itself, but you're really uh, locked in as to who this person is and what God is doing Mm-hmm. What else would you say? And ask people around you that you really respect their walks with the Lord. Like you have those friends that you really think they're really walking closely with the Lord or older mm-hmm. people in your life. And ask them their input too and be open to really hearing it. Because I feel like that can that's a really good yeah. one too. Um, and it's going to be different for everybody. Like I think this is a difficult question because everyone is on a different trajectory and different timetable. And that's okay. But I think really putting it before the Lord and... And asking him. I think that's why that question is so hard to answer because I don't think there is a formula. There's, people, people do walk through relationships in different speeds, different, uh, different uh, paces in which they realize, hey, this is what the Lord has. You know, there are some people that will race in and three months later be engaged and a month later married, right? Uh, and it's not that they were crazy or head over heels in an improper way, but they just, hey, the Lord just brought it together. Mm-hmm. But that's not the formula. That's not what the Lord does for everybody. And so I think one of the things is uh, just to hold an openness of, hey, uh, continue to put it before the Lord and, and, and realize it doesn't have to look like what other friends' relationships have looked like. It doesn't have to match a certain prototype, but uh, just walking it out with one another and before the Lord and, and continue mm-hmm. to wrestle through things. Yeah. And we're also fans of not super, super long engagements. You know, the two, three-year engagements can be really hard on a relationship. And so sometimes, you know, yes, you really want to get married, but you're, you know, a lot younger in college. Just knowing you can walk with the Lord well and be serious in dating and then get engaged closer to when you could actually, you know, get married. Um, okay, this is a good one. It says, if my girlfriend and I are both Christians, how closely should our future life goals be for us to continue forward with considering marriage? And I really like this question because the more serious you get, the more you are going to want to have those serious conversations about the future. But it's also kind of hard and awkward to know, well, how much to talk about the future because you haven't put a ring on it yet. So all that to say, I think, no, we're not going to have you sing or dance. Um, But I think that Can't quote a song in the vibe. Okay. Um, It is okay to to really talk about what you, you know, want for your future and, um, and to have those good conversations I think that one thing that was really big for me, because I thought I imagined myself living overseas for the rest of my life, and Trey wanted to live in America, but yet we were getting really serious and kind of close to the engagement part. But one of my friends told me something really good. She said, you can follow him if you know that he's really following the Lord well, because then you can trust his walk with the Lord and trust that he's not going to lead you astray. And I thought that was really good that there is a point for the girl that is okay with following the guy if he knows that you know, you're going to really walk with the Lord and... I just think be seeking wise counsel and knowing that you have to kind of guard your words and not just share everything about where you're both going to be, you know, in the future. But there is some give and take all throughout marriage. I feel like there's give and take as far as different life goals and different places you're going to live and different jobs you're going to take and just there's sacrifice on both sides. And yeah, I say get some older wisdom in that. Let me just say, on, on a, kind of as an aside, gentlemen, I, I don't think uh, as you think about leading a relationship, as you think about uh, eventually as you look at marriage and the idea that, that you're going to lead and the girl is going to follow, 
I don't think you have an expectation that she follow you until you put a ring on her finger, all right? Uh, she's going to roll forward with her own plans until you put a ring on her finger and change those plans, all right? And so uh, there is no expectation that she should follow you until you've upped the ante and said, hello, let's do this, right? So uh, let me just kind of throw that out to you guys. Y'all are thinking through those decisions. Um, do we have one That's last all. one? Mm-mm. All right. Well, hey, we are a little bit over. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to talk about lunch. Oh, gosh, Harry. This is risky. (laughs) Harry has a new one. Harry's got his own. All right. (laughs) Everybody welcome Harry Wilson right here. (laughs) Harry, Harry. (laughs) Harry Wilson. All right. I'm going to tweak this question just a little bit. All right. So um, how long... How long should you wait until you kiss somebody, all right? I will tell you guys, people have different convictions on that, all right? I will say to you guys, we were not the wait till the altar to kiss, all right? Kind of couple, all right? Hello, all right? So, um, But also not right away either. <laughs> heard it here first, right? So, uh, but no, hey. Uh, Everyone has different convictions right, on I, that, I, Honestly, there, there are people who are going to have different convictions, and that's why I think you have that boundaries discussion early on, all right? That you realize, hey, there, there may be some people that say, hey, I really don't want to kiss until I know the person loves me and I know that we're going to get married. And that is great. That is godly. That is appropriate, right? Some of you guys may have different convictions and may have a different sense of conscience of what is permissible and what's fruitful and what's appropriate for you. And so uh, we, we, we waited a while before we kissed, uh, but we didn't wait until the altar, all right, to kiss. And, so, and sometimes when you get really serious and you're knowing that you're going to get married, sometimes you have to tighten up those boundaries even more. And then, you know, like for us, we had to like to choose to not kiss until we actually were getting married because you have to slow things down rather than speed things up. Which is, like, we had a certain set of boundaries when we were dating, all right? And then when we got engaged, we actually tightened those down, which, which seems very counter, counterintuitive, right? But in engagement, it is, there's an intensity to it and there's a passion to it that for us, and I think for a lot of couples, fine, it's really wise to, to really ensure that, hey, you guys walk that out godly because it, uh, in engagement, it can be a challenging time in terms of purity in this kind of weird limbo transitional phase, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about. But let me pray for us. And then we would love for you guys to say is we have lunch for you guys as well. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you immensely uh, that even as we think about Ephesians 5, we think of Jesus and the church, we, we realize that Jesus is our groom. We thank you for the great model that we have in Christ, the one who has given himself for us, one who uh, loved us even when we were hostile to him, uh, that you would send your own son who would take on human flesh and who would die on our behalf when we were hostile to you and when we wanted nothing of from you, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you've loved us to that extent, Lord. And I pray as we think of dating, as we think of uh, what we're looking for, and as we think of our own dreams and passions, Lord, I thank you that in Jesus we do have a security and we have a love that we will find nowhere else from no one else that the most perfect marriage will never compare to what you have done in our lives, Lord. And I pray that we would find in you a sufficiency, whether we're single or whether we're dating. And Father, I pray for those of us who are looking at relationships or who are walking in them, Lord. I pray that you would grow us in wisdom. I pray that you'd grow us in holiness. And I pray, Lord, that we could date in a way that looks different and distinct from the world. That we could honor those that we're in a relationship with and that even as we walk through them, we could build one another up and not just be consumers in the relationship, but that we could be uh, those that encourage, those that build up, those that care, those that uh, pray for one another, Lord. I pray that we could date even on this campus in a way that's so distinct from the world and from what we see as a norm. Might you guide us, might you direct us, and might we put these relationships before you and may you lead us and guide us as you see fit, Lord. We love you and we praise you. We ask for these things through your son and by your spirit. Amen. Amen.